Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. Welcome, everyone, to our first uh, podcast. This is Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape. What we hope to do today is to uh, go through some cases that we both have worked. Uh, I've got Jay with me on the other line, and we are discussing some cases that, uh, that we worked throughout our years and uh, maybe get some insight to how things work and why they work the way they do. And um, hopefully that... Uh, raises some questions, answers some questions, and maybe explain some of the things that goes on more so than you get when you watch something on TV and you have questions about, well, why didn't they tell us this? Or what about that? We're hoping we can explain how that works sometimes and, and what that means. Not everything has to stay confidential. Not everything has to stay relevant to the investigation or pending investigation. Some things people just want a simple answer to. Everybody knows that when a case is complex, you do not want to jeopardize the success of a case. But once you finally do catch that bad guy, you don't want anything you said to tank the evidence that's going to be needed to convict them in court. But there are some things that we can go over as we dive into some of these cases that make questions may come up about that maybe we can help people out with. So uh, this is our first podcast. And... Um, we're going to just dive right into one of our cases and see where it takes us from there. Jay, you're the technical king on this kind of thing. If anyone did have a case or have a question, is there a link they can use to shoot that question to us? Well, depending on what they're watching it on, if they watch it on uh, Facebook or uh, YouTube, they can leave comments and stuff and we can get to that. Okay. Yeah, they should no be able wrong. to get to it. Also, uh, if they download the podcast, uh, and you got questions and go follow us on YouTube. It's going to be a criminal motive behind the crime scene tape. And we'll answer it from there. Um, yeah. So real quick, uh, in case you can't tell by our rugged good looks and our <laughs> fantastic facial hair, uh, this is actually my dad. And so I followed in his footsteps because when I was a kid, that's all I knew is that he was, he was a cop and uh, growing up, that's what I wanted to be. And that's what I did. Um, so I have some background in private security. And I also, my main background is in uh, federal law enforcement. I am with the Office of Special Investigations. And that is with the now Department of the Air Force. And it's the Department of the Air Force because now we have to do the Space Force too. Um, so... <laughs> I got that uh, start, and I never looked back. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, there's been some rough times, but, you know, it's, it's like anything. 
Uh, and for the and for some of you still saying like, what did he say? O O C T I something like that. Think of the famous TV show NCIS. Okay, that's the Navy's version of what I do for the Air Force. And um, fun fact for anybody that didn't know, uh, that show was actually offered to the Air Force first, and the Air Force turned it down because they didn't think it would be a good idea. Not not saying anything bad against the air force because at the time that wasn't that wasn't in their best interest but the navy picked them up on that offer and that is why we have 500 seasons of ncis all right all right I like it. yeah and then give them a little bit of your background too well i worked uh, 25 plus years in law enforcement as a detective mm -hmm. and uh, i left to pursue uh, a more safer and financially um, stable career from there and went into corporate security. And I always, mostly because if anybody watches Blue Bloods on CBS, uh, there was a point where the chief, who is the police commissioner, is thinking about, man, the stress is too much. I don't like this anymore. And then one of his assistant says maybe you should get out he goes what and go do corporate security and i'm like oh man oh, got me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know and tom Selleck, who plays the police commissioner he's so convincing um when he said it, it was like oh that's the why i hate that term corporate security so <laughs> anyway it's there we all do it we figure out that's Sometimes uh, you're told you can't play the game any longer. Uh, the game of law enforcement, the physical toll it takes, sometimes the mental toll it takes. Mm. And uh, we're all told at some point you can no longer play play the game. And uh, some are told sooner than later, but we're all told at some point. You have to find out something else to do uh, to continue going and keep from being bored to death. And... Uh, so there you go. I did corporate security for a while. Some uh, corporations incorporated safety into corporate security and not knowing the difference. I'm like, you know, I'll keep the job. I'll do whatever you want. Safety works. Let's do it. And I got into safety and realized I don't like that safety side of it at all. <laughs> that just rubs me the wrong way. I might as well have gone into HR or something. <laughs> and, um, anyway, so you take the good with the bad and you uh, modify your career, you do what you got to do and, and you get going. And um, so I've done that before and now I'm out of safety and I'm back in security from a certain standpoint. Um, but I'm also in more of an operations role as well. So you know, it kind of comes full circle a little bit and you get back to what you know and what you're comfortable with and what you like doing. I plan to work quite a bit longer. Anything I can learn, anything I can grow with is, is a good thing. Keeps your mind active and um, so you're ready to just uh, punch your ticket for the last one, then you, know, you, you have to move with the times. Everything changing with the times. And certainly some of that will come up during our discussions on uh, the way society has changed, the way law enforcement has changed, the way we have to respond to things has changed. Um, 
it's moving. I mean, it's simple, simple science. When you're dealing with humans, you have to adapt to change because no humans, anything stays the same. So that's a little bit about mine and maybe some parts will come up in some of our other cases and we'll deal with that. But uh, what we're going to try to do also is we're, you know, very cautious of protecting privacy rights. We won't be mentioning names, won't be mentioning uh, companies, corporations, things like that. But um, that won't hinder the content from the podcast that we want to do. So we hope you enjoy it. We hope you'll tune back in to uh, my next one. And uh, if you don't have anything else, let's get cracking on one. Yeah, let's uh, let's get going. If you enjoy listening to this or watching it, uh, share it with your friends. Tell tell some people about it. And if you don't, uh, just pretend like you were taking a nap and this is all a dream. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, some of it's going to be fun. I think most people yeah. who go through any of this stuff or see that kind of thing, they'll relate to some of it. Um, they're certainly calling for it. There's enough TV channels and TV programs on the subject already. So yeah. uh, we were watching something tonight and it was like, man, both channels have the stupid repeats on there. So uh, <laughs> you just, there's always something new out there and people willing to share it. Uh, it'll help everybody. What I like is um, I like the fact that um, I get to do something with you and we can kind of reconnect on that level and see what we couldn't say through text or phone calls and things like that on, on certain cases. Yeah. Um, uh, he's done me proud on taking it a step above um, what I have and uh, doing the federal uh, angle to it. Plus, you've got some other uh, credentials that um, boy, I wish I had right now because uh, <laughs> all the network security things and the, all the uh, cyber stuff that you have knowledge of. Um, I mean, it's crazy. I called you that day that the hackers blocked the oil pipeline. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. What? what? You know, they're going to get $5 million to turn the oil on again. Man, these guys are nuts. So anyway. Crazy. It's crazy how crime is shifting from, you know, it still happens in person, but a lot of it is shifting to cyber and identity theft and stuff like that. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, just go back to the thought of if these guys could use their talents that they have for good and not for the ransom and, and all that kind of stuff. Man, how much better of a country would we have? How much better a world would there be if we could somehow parlay that stuff into something good and not just always... You know, we're shutting this off. Give us five million dollars. We're not never going to give you the thing back. You know, or whatever. Yeah, right. It'd be it'd be great. Uh, you know, we would have a lot of uh, a lot of good things happening, and thankfully, we have a lot of uh, good people that do that work too, and keep keep our country safe and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I uh, have a little bit of a background in IT, and that's actually what I got recruited into the federal agency. Uh, four was for my IT background, so um, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely useful, still useful. I still find myself today finding my IT experience to help me in certain situations. So, all right, love it. Okay, so let's go right into one then. Um, as I mentioned before, I left um, 
organized law enforcement mm-hmm. to go into corporate security. And this one position I had, I was a fairly new corporate security manager at this place and um, was just getting situated. I'd been there maybe two weeks, put my office together, trying to figure out where I was in the building, all the normal things people think about, chain of command, who do I report to, when do I get paid, good stuff. And uh, a guy bounces into my office, he's one of the operations managers. And he said that, uh, yeah, I was just curious. You had law enforcement experience, you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, um, so um, I've got something I, would you look at for me? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, who stole water out of the water fountain? Who's been eating other somebody else's lunch <laughs> yeah. on the refrigerator? You know, what the world's going to be? Hey, there's and, somebody parked in my parking spot. I need your yeah. law enforcement help. <laughs> Or they're parked across the line and taking up two places. It's like it never ends. These are so important. And I think somebody's stealing safety vests. You know, it's like, all right. So he says, uh, I got something here. And he shows me. Uh, I'm like, okay. So he brings a box in. And in the box, he has files, paperwork, all this stuff. He lays out this elaborate plan that he has uncovered where a former employee was coming back in and it's a warehouse manufacturing kind of setup that we're at. And a former employee was coming back in somehow loading up, I'd say about a half a pallet worth of tools and different types of tools and manufactured stuff and um, different kinds of items and taking them to an overhead door, opening the overhead door and somebody back up to the overhead door and they would take it and drive away. No way. And yeah. What time were they doing this at? This was about 8.30 at night. And this was not a 24-hour facility at this one part of the building. Oh, okay. And um, I was going to say, that's like, that's, that's still like decent time. Like, some people still work till that time. That's crazy. Did. In other parts of the building, they did. These guys knew the routine. That's where we got the former employee thing. Mm-hmm. And um, wasn't going to mention any names, but you know the equipment they were stealing rhymed with DeWalt. Or <laughs> Milwaukee. So, <laughs> so close. You know what kind of value we're talking about. You know, these kits that come that are three, $400 a box. Um, hammer drills and all these different kinds of things. They just load up a half a pallet load and gone. Estimated out about $8,000 worth of stuff every time they did it. And they were coming every Sunday for a year. Oh, for so a year. That's, that's a lot of, uh, yeah, a that's lot. a lot. <laughs> he told me, uh, of course, my first question is have you called the police? Are you going to yeah. get arrested? Um, property crimes, which property crime is an item, uh, a kind of case that deals with property. Somebody stole my bicycle. That's a property crime. Somebody hit me in the head. That's a person's crime. Yeah. Person's crimes always outrank property crimes in importance. And uh, in this particular area, um, the person's crimes outrank property crimes by a lot. And they had no one that was interested. They didn't care about drills that were being stolen. 
they got to find the guy that just shot three people at the filling station. So nobody was interested. They just said, we don't care or we're, that's not on our priority list? Like, In so many words. We'll take the report and turn it over to detective division and you should hear something soon. Yeah. Heard anything back. <laughs> no. That, that detective section was called the trash can. Yeah. And a round file. When I started in law enforcement, what got me interested in detective division was they would take you uh, one person a month out of the uniform division, you go work a month in detective division and what's called intake the numbers, the sheer numbers of property crimes in any city hugely outnumber person's crimes, but the seriousness of a person's crimes outweighed the property crimes. So here I sit at a desk one day with about a hundred cases. My bicycle was stolen, my water hose was stolen, my house got broke into, my car got broke into, all this stuff, no evidence, no suspects, no nothing. And my job was to send each one of these guys a form letter that said, we're on it, we're working it, if anything develops, we'll be back in touch. And it never was looked at again. Not unless somebody just stumbled onto a bad guy who said, yeah, well, I know he stole this out of his house, you know, and then you could go back and dig it out. Do it that way. Yeah. Chances of it happening in large cities, they're gone. That stuff's done. So I'm like, okay, you've got this stuff. All right, how do we know who it is? He has a camera picture of him coming into the building, this person, and then he has a copy of his employment badge picture, and it matches perfectly. Plus, he's a former employee, so he would know when to come, when to leave, where the good stuff was, because when you watch it on video, the bad guy goes straight through a maze of buildings into this place, grabs exactly what he wants, He's also a forklift certified driver because he used a forklift to get it back over to the door once he got it loaded. Um, so we're thinking, okay, we've got a positive ID on a guy. And I said, how do we know that this picture is going to be accurate? You know, a lot of people look a lot alike, especially under a camera. You know, you can only be 5'10", 160 pounds with a short haircut. And okay, so now we're down to 50,000 people. Now, let me, let me uh, unpack that for a second. Uh, right. So this guy, he is a former employee, still has his badge. Is that what I understand? No, we had, well, he might, but we still had his picture from his badge to compare it to the picture from Got the it. camera. Got it. Okay. But he, he goes in, so this guy worked there, knew that building, but didn't know to like hide his face from the camera at all. Well, that's further down in the notes. He doesn't know about the camera. Ah, okay. This All right. particular ops manager was so energetic and so engaged by him, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> he went out and bought his own wireless cameras. You know, it's not simply safe. It's not this. It's not that. It's another particular brand of wireless camera that alerts your phone every time motion goes in front of it. Mm. He'd be at a restaurant in town and his phone would go all the way, there's a guy in the building, you know, and every time they call the police, the guy was gone before they could get there. You know, when I was in uh, 
when I was working full time in OSI and we had those people that were like the ones that like they'd love to talk to you because they'd love to like tell you all the stuff they know. We always called those agent trainees because they were like they were always it was almost like they were trying to impress us with their knowledge to try and get a job there. And the funny thing is when you join uh, that uh, this agency, you start out as an agent trainee. Um, but we would always call them like junior agents or agent trainees or whatever, because they were always like trying to get involved and they're, they wanted like, they wanted a case to spurt just from what they told us. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's funny. That ops manager sounded, uh, he sounded like a, like a junior agent that I would call him. I don't know what you would have called him, but. Well, we had a name for him when I was in law enforcement. We called him a suspect. Somebody <laughs> that yes. wanted to talk to you that much was involved in it somehow. Yeah. They were looking to get rid of competition or they wanted to know what you know so they knew how to get around. Yeah, they wanted to clear guy, their name. <laughs> yeah. But this guy just had a passion and he took it personal. Mm. Uh, that these guys were able to steal like this and he just couldn't understand how it wasn't important to somebody. So uh, I asked him, I said, how do we know? All right, I've got the picture of the ID and I got a picture from the camera. I still need to know, how do we know more? And he goes, okay. So he produces paperwork showing me that this guy that he suspected he went online to offer up the Facebook marketplace. Mm. And lo and behold, the very same items he was carrying out of the building were for sale on those sites. And I said, so how do we know, you know we're not the only one that carries the wall? How do we know that this is the exact box? Because I'm thinking ahead. I'm trying to think of things that I've learned from prosecuting attorneys and defense attorneys and different people that try to poke colds into your case what can we make this rock solid at? yeah and that's super do. important because you have to think like you have to think past the law enforcement aspect of it you have to think about the legal side the court side everything and uh thankfully in this situation your background in law enforcement helped you realize that Whereas somebody else who just maybe has worked, you know, as like a safety manager for a company or something, they wouldn't think that far. They would just be like, all right, well, the police said no. So that's it. You know, so that was that was smart, was smart thinking of, uh, you know, thinking ahead like that. I have seen enough embarrassment from defense attorneys and prosecuting attorneys and different kinds of even leadership within your own department, you don't want to make those mistakes. And the person that I replaced in that position was that kind of person that just said, yeah, you know, the cops don't want to do it. There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. But I asked him, I said, so you got a guy. He's in your building. You got a picture of him in your building. You think you know who he is, and he's got your stuff. How do we know that we're talking about the right guy, this guy? and a name, and that's your stuff. He pulls up that one particular website for selling equipment and things and zoomed in on the box. It had the label that the company puts on the box for inventory purposes 
at the warehouse, still on the box. Ladies and, and gentlemen, we, that is called the dumb criminal mistake. That's where they get caught when they do something dumb like that. Exactly. All right, continue. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, this this is getting pretty good. I'm still yeah. thinking on the other half of my brain that normally doesn't work when this one's working, but I'm kind of thinking on the other half of my brain, like, okay, how am I still going to pull all this together and get somebody interested in it? But let's just keep going. And um, I said, all right, so it's got a sticker on it. How do we know he didn't get that box through retail channels? Pulls up the number that's on that sticker that's on that box. And oh. it designates exactly where it's supposed to be in that warehouse. And that particular day, it was supposed to be on a truck going to another location in another state altogether who reported it never made it. So I'm thinking, all right, so we might have something. So I said, all right, so we got this, this, and this. How do we know that uh, he's going to come back every Sunday? And that's when he told me they've been doing this for a year. They haven't missed a Sunday in a year, maybe one or two. And then he started pulling up video that he had where you could see the operation. There's a guy that would pull in first and another part of the parking lot as a lookout to the only entrance inside and outside the property. He would back into a dock bay of the warehouse and turn, turn his lights off and wait. 10 minutes later, a car would come in. The video shows the car back in up to the uh, to the back of the building, the guy gets out, car takes off. Now we got to figure out how's this guy getting into the to the building. So over the course of the next two or three weeks, we're setting up more cameras as we figure out each point they're at. Mm -hmm. This guy's coming in through the compactor chute that comes out of the building into a big dumpster. He's crawling into the side door of the compactor going up the chute and popping out into the warehouse through the compactor. Now, smart enough that he is, he knows that's not the food nasty compactor, so you don't have to worry about that kind of garbage, it's just a cardboard compactor. So he's crawling up there. Immediately, I digress, and I'm thinking, well, I can solve this real quick. Next time he comes in, somebody runs around, locks the door on the compactor. Another guy at the top of the compactor throws about a quarter oil down the thing where he can't climb up and then somebody <laughs> else throws a very vicious canine down the chute to go get him perfect <laughs> yeah perfect after i considered all the lawsuits and injury <laughs> cases that would that would result in i decided all right don't tell him that part let's just stick to this part and get on with it yeah <laughs> So now we know how he's coming in. And I asked him, do you have any more of these little cameras that are just like gold? He goes, yeah, I got about a dozen of them. Let's put one in the compactor. Let's get his face coming up into the compactor. We put the one in the compactor. And mind you, all these are alarmed so that not vocally or you know, audio alarm, they're alarmed to the phones. Anybody has the app and logs in can hear these things go off. Mm. So uh, I'm thinking, all right, so we got a guy, we got product, we got verification of product, we got it being sold on the internet with our label on it, we got identification of the person, we know how it's set up, we got a guy here, we got a guy here, and after this guy loads up, he makes a phone call, and the car comes back, 
ore truck comes back. They open up the bay door, wham, uh, they load it up and they're gone. Generally about a 20 minute deal in and out. And and, down back. Yeah, pretty much. And the thing about it is, if you know this guy, you know we're gonna, we're gonna have to run some criminal history. We're gonna have to find out who we're dealing with. Because now we're talking about this being a burglary of a building that's occupied. Are these guys going to be honored? Is there the chain again? You're going to have to go with, you got to consider most of the time everybody's honored. Right. Better yeah. safe than sorry. Absolutely. Then we have to figure out how many, how many people are we going to need to affect this kind of arrest? You know, and how we're going to do it. What are they going to want for it? You know, the law enforcement agency, if we can get them involved. So most law enforcement agencies have a city agency and they have a county agency and there's a state agency. And uh, the city agency that this is in was the department that wouldn't interest it, that wouldn't help them at all. I had friends in the county side, which that city resided in. And I went to one of them, I said, listen, I'm not here to waste your time or nothing. Come sit with me for a minute. Let's talk about this. Got something you might be interested in. You let me know, no strings attached. If you're not interested, we'll move on. But if you are interested, we'd really like to get these guys. And you said this was somebody that you knew? Somebody I knew in the county side of law enforcement. He's a detective as well. We had collaborated some on some homeland security things, you know, bad guys traveling all the circles and, you know, names come popping up here and there and there's always domestic terrorism. There's always other things that go on. And so I said, Hey, just take a look at it. If you want a piece of it, let me know if it sounds good. So I laid it all out with him and I wouldn't let him meet this operations manager. I wouldn't let him meet with nobody but me, you know, because I have to keep his identity in check and his integrity in check and so forth. So that, uh, you know, in case he's working something where he doesn't want to be known, but these guys had the strings. These guys were working domestic terrorism, homeland security stuff. And um, it might be tough. He said, yeah, you know, um, I laid it all out for him. He goes, are you kidding me? You're doing just like we did this now. Are you serious about this? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're just slam dunk kind of, you know? I'm like, sometimes it almost seems too good to be true. He goes, man, I'm interested. He said, let me uh, check with my captain to we got to do. He calls back that day and says, yeah, you know, we could do it. There's one hitch. We have to do it on our own time because our work time is so busy with all this home security stuff. And I'm like, that's okay. Uh, let me check real quick. And uh, I had that one operations manager in. We're on the phone. And he says, tell them we'll pay him $50 an hour if they'll come and do it on their own time. And we'll give them a gift, you know. There and we like, go. You see with the gifts, you know, let's not yeah. make it appropriate. This, and the pay has to be something consistent with what you would normally hire off-duty law enforcement to do. Yeah. He goes, we'll, yeah, we'll do it. $50 an hour. We'll do it. We'll do it. And the guy on the phone's like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's um, like, that's like music to their ears. They're like, you want to pay me that much to do this? Yeah, oh, they're on it, you know. Just got to include court time, investigative time, research time. I'm like, don't they don't care? Just send me a send me an invoice of hours used, and, and they'll pay it. They just yeah. want to get popped. 
And he goes, all right, can we meet with them? And I'm like, if you want to, we sure can. I said, if you want to meet with these guys. He goes, nah, I'm not working anything right now. It's no problem. So he comes in. We lay it all out on the table for him. He says, I can't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, if we do this and it being a property crime, we have to make it so that it's like a bird in the hand. We have got to make it so that the prosecution says, dude, I don't have to do anything. I'll put this in front of the defense on discovery, and they're going to offer me a plea deal right away. I said, I don't care how you get it done. Just get it stopped. I want these guys arrested. And yeah. maybe some restitution at the end. You know, you want a case that goes that easy. Yeah, you can't really, uh, you can't really convince a prosecutor to take a case unless it's like a slam dunk. You got some hard evidence. You got what's called the smoking gun. Yeah. Uh, you can't just go in with like an FBI clue about something. You have to have Please. something good. Yeah, and I and I love all our law enforcement brothers. I do. But the FBI carries the biggest punchline that every law enforcement agency just, you know, guy shows up, hey, I'm with special agent or whatever, and I'm with the FBI. We're here to help. We're like, oh, gosh, treat them like mushrooms, you know. So <laughs> keep them in the dark and feed them full of crap. So <laughs> they're never uh, there. To, they're there to take the case credit and to, you know, mess it up for you, so to speak. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I've I've worked with the FBI on numerous occasions, um, and you know, it, it's kind of like uh, how can I word this? It's like if Tom Brady walks up and says, "Hey, I'm going to throw this football," and I'm over here like you know, fresh out of college or something, you know, I'm going to give him the football, you know, and uh, so. FBI, I've only had one incident where, like, I had this case going, and I won't get into the details, but I had this case going, and uh, I meet with an FBI agent, and she looks it over, and she's like, yeah, that's terrorism. Uh, that's our case now. And I had to turn everything over to her. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what kind of, like, power authority could you, like, it, it just blows my mind just walk in and be like, yeah. I'm taking that case. And then they just take it from you and you go on. I, I mean, as like a smaller time agent, I had to count that as a win. Cause I was like, Hey, I got something so good that they were ready to take it. So, I mean, it's just yeah. one of those things. And I agree. There are times that, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but every now and then you get to one and just say, if you can't do anything with it, you know, don't take it away from us. You know, just let us you know, help us with some kind of thing. Just show muscle. You know, at least when we arrest, right? You know, written on the back of a jacket, you know, help us show some muscle and add some validity to um, make them think that it's maybe going better. But, um, and, you know, every now and then you'll get somebody to play along and, you know, it, it looks good. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's a case you don't really care about, you know, you hope they take it away from you. It's like, yeah, please get this one gone. I got 10 Mack trucks being stolen and sent out of state. Take them, you know. I can't do anything. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're meeting and we're going through this whole thing, and and um, we have a second meeting, and they bring in a few more guys, and I said, "Look, we're looking at a car that has people in it. We're looking at a car for a lookout guy. We don't know how many's in that car. We don't know how many's in this other car. There's usually two people that jump out and help the guy unload the product out of the building. And you know, bear in mind at this point." 
most people would ask, well, how are they getting in the building? If it's, you know, if it's locked and nobody's working in there, how are they getting in, you know? And, um, all these things that are kind of trivial at this point, it doesn't matter how they're getting in, they're obviously getting in. And of course, yeah. we know now it's the trash can, you know, the trash chute. And uh, how they're getting out is simple. Dog door, just pull the chain, it open up. Right. And um, so we're good on that. And I said, well, logistically, we need to look at making sure that we got enough people for the takedown. And also consider the fact they may be armed. They're committing a felony. Good chance that they're going to be armed. We have to figure out all the angles to get in and out of that property. A big you know, two-acre piece of land. We have to be able to stop anybody. And what are we going to do if they run? Where are you at with your policy on chasing people? Is the commission of a felony? Is something else going to happen? So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm putting this stuff in these guys' hands. And yeah, I trust them to do the right thing and to be able to affect the arrest in a way that's safe for everybody. But what am I getting myself into if everything goes south and the bullets start flying? I'm thinking I'll never be able to live with this. Or if one of them got hurt right. during that thing, it's going to be horrible. That's a big burden to carry. So all these concerns I'm relating to these guys when they're putting their plan together, their operation plan. Make sure you've got every base covered. Make sure everybody is bulletproof vest. Yep. Make sure all these things. Yeah, good and, uh, plan always turns. It'll never do you wrong the better your op plan is. Exactly. Operation plan for those of you that are listening and don't know what that is. It's a it's a roadmap to all the contingencies that you can think of. You know, I've got an ambulance on standby. They don't know what they're on standby for because I don't trust anybody. So I don't even tell them why they're doing it. Just stand by. And then these guys, I mean, it's it's pretty well, you know, pretty good deal. And uh, when they got back to uh, lining up everything, even their captain decided to get involved with. He thought it was so much, sounded so good, he wanted a piece of it. So the day comes for uh, the day we're going to set up on it. And we picked a day that was the day after Super Bowl Sunday. Because generally, if they do miss, it's because Super Bowl lasts till midnight or whatever. And either they've had too much to drink or for one reason or another, they're not doing it that night. And, you know, that was the case this particular night. So the next Sunday after, we're all in place. And I'm not even sure it's going to go down. You know, I'm thinking it's going to go down. The pattern's there. Everything looks good. Now, who's all, who's all there? And then where are they set up? Okay, so we, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was okay not being a part of any of it. <laughs> the less I know, the better. Um, and I'd seen it before. So, you know, I'll be glad to come in after it's done. Or, you know, if it doesn't go, then I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about it too much. Um, but these guys at this company, they're like, no way they're missing this. They want to be somewhere. And I'm like, well, you can be in an area of the building that's open. Yeah, you're not going to be there. At first, there was some discussion on let's go in when they come in and turn the dogs loose. I said, You don't understand. These buildings are so huge, they could hide anywhere. What I would do is I would find a way where their opportunity is funneled, and your opportunity to get them is confined to a small place. 
Right. Like at the dock door would be a good place. Come in behind them, come in in front of them. Where are they going to go? It's secure. I would do that and catch them off guard that way. And they said, well, let's let them leave. We'll take them down in a traffic stop. I'm like, we're talking about guys that are not afraid to run from the police. You really want to do that? What if they crash during the chase and somebody gets hurt? Something like that. Yeah, or crashing somebody else. Yeah. So I'm thinking the best opportunity is to go ahead and take them as they're unloading it mm-hmm. out of the building. Might be that they'll be busy. They're not paying attention. You're roll up there. Got people on the inside already. Um, they're in place. I think that's the best, safest way to do it. And they agreed. And, um, you know, it's, it's not the first time I've done something like this before. So I'm thinking this is, this is the easiest way to do it. Plus yep. we have them with their hands on the product. We don't have to worry about them tossing it out the window during the chase or whatever. So the day comes, we get there. One of the detectives, and it's kind of a side note, had a very good friend who ran a Mexican restaurant that you would not eat at if you saw it from the road. You would just drive right on past it. But it was family, and they had some of the best tamales ever. We're all piled into the boardroom. And I'm halfway through a tamale when one guy says, hey, wait a minute, the camera's going off in the compactor chute. And we're like, no way, Uh-oh. you know? And we got tin foil and burrito sauce going everywhere. And he goes, yeah, sure enough, he turns his phone on and shows it to me. And you see this guy coming up through the thing, you know, his way up in, it's going down. No, not Come during on. tamale time. Come on. <laughs> We're done. And we got to leave. I'll pay you tomorrow. They're, they're, they're the guy that's in the boardroom with us. I mean, he's fully swatted up. He's got the gun. He's got the flashbangs. He's got everything. And he calls the commander of the detail and says, you're not going to believe this, but they're doing it. We're on right now. They're like, what? And you can tell they weren't really, you know, we're there an hour early thinking we got this covered. Yeah. They show up an hour early. Ah. We're on. So team moves in. We stay in the uh, boardroom. The team moves in from the warehouse side. We're watching it on there. We're, we're relaying the information to them. Yeah, they've got the pallet loaded up. They're at the back door. The team moves into the warehouse. The other team moves into the front where the car is parked, and the takedown goes down. And they brought, you know, I'm looking at six people, bad guys, and I said, you're going to need at least three officers for every one. So you're going to need 18 people. So they called in a bunch of uh, blue lights and uh, patrol cars and different things, a K-9 and a couple of other guys, and they took them down. And uh, everything went well. They got the guys coming out of the building. They got the guys outside the building, except for one, he runs off. And a guy takes off after him. One of the officers takes off after him, and we have video everywhere. This guy ducked in behind a trailer, and we're calling the guy on the telephone saying, hey, man, he's behind that trailer. You're right there, right there. Be ready, be ready. Oh, he pulls out, the officer pulls out what looks like a, a machine gun with a hopper. And that <laughs> hopper's full of tear gas pellets. Oh, and no. He, that guy jumps out from behind that trailer, and he lights him up. It looks like a ball gun going off. He lights him up. And that's on video? 
Yeah. Oh, that's the best. It was crazy. <laughs> Get him arrested. Everybody's arrested. Everybody's caught. Um, property's recovered. And then we have, you know, a ton of back work to do on getting the property they got for sale on the website. And then uh, negotiations with the uh, state on how to proceed from there, what they want to do, should we try to recover more stuff, different things of that nature. So it went off like a charm. It went perfect. Um, and this whole time we're putting this together, some of this, you have to be careful how much information you let out. You can't tell everybody you know what's going on. You don't know who's involved with who. You don't know when somebody's feeling pinched by someone. And for fear of getting hurt, they give up information about what's going on. I need to stay away from the warehouse today or whatever. It goes well. We get everybody arrested. We get uh, cases put forward in trial. Uh, we didn't have to go. They took a plea bargain on every one of them. Um, we were able to recover some of the property back, not all of it. We wanted restitution. We didn't get any of it. So odd thing is, when you some red-handed, sometimes you don't get everything you want. And we even offered to trade jail time for restitution. And uh, they took the jail time because they weren't going to pay that much money back. No. But it worked out good. I mean, this is one of those cases where you never know how it's going to turn out. But when you hand a case like that, that's practically completed, there's little argument as to who it is, what crime they committed, and are they guilty or not. And in this particular case, it worked out for the good. And it's a, one of those things where you think, all right, I still got a little bit left in the tank, but do I really want to get involved in this? Too many variables. Can I trust any of these guys that I'm working with? You just don't ever know. Good case. Um, it went a long way with us, and we even interviewed um, by one of the local TV station investigative reporters wanting to know how we could pull something off like that and no one get hurt. You know, shots on exchange, car chases didn't happen. Yeah. And yet we were able to affect the rest. And I let the one guy that brought all that information to me in the first place, I let him in. I wasn't going to get involved. TV interviews or anything like that. So here you go. They want you. You talk to them about it. You know? yeah. I don't know what to say. Tell them what we did and yeah. uh, what we, you know, how we cared about putting that case together. And I think that if there had been any hitch in the case, the risk is not worth um, making the case. You know, this it's just not worth it for someone's safety. And if there had been anything that said. Otherwise, we would have canceled the investigation the whole thing. So um, I think that's a big thing to also consider. But you have to look at the safety behind of it and uh, good to go. You know, it just worked out. It worked out well. Yeah. So good planning, good, good evidence. Uh, you know, hats off to that operation manager. That was a uh, that was a good move. Um, and for you know, for our listeners that don't know much about law enforcement running cases and stuff like that. It's, it's one thing when law enforcement does things to, uh, you know, to try and build a case and you can't like, there's certain things like entrapment and stuff like that, that law enforcement really has to like watch out for. But when it comes to private companies and private 
security and stuff like that. The rules are just a little bit different. Um, and, you know, if you have all that evidence, I mean, whereas, you know, the operations manager put his own cameras in there. Like, that's fine. If a police officer was to do that, it would have to run through a lot of hoops and stuff like that. It'd have to be get, like, admitted into as evidence and stuff like that. Um, whereas in this situation, you know, the, the sheriffs or whoever it was that took that case, um, they, they in took all of that stuff as it was, and they were able to use that. So, um, hats off to that operation manager and then you for, uh, thinking that one through, uh, cause I'm sure if you gave, you know, if you gave the reins over to somebody that's super excited with no experience, you know, they're going to, they're going to run it and it's probably going to go into the ground and not turn out pretty. Yeah, you're exactly right. The integrity that has to go in behind it, um, we had to cover everything. We had to cover the possibility that one of those detectives would be on the stand and say, how much did they pay you an hour to work this case? And is it possible that anything was manufactured in, in light of being able to collect on that money? I mean, if you weren't successful, you know, how would that have looked towards you? You know, is there anything that you wanted to, and you just have to stick to what's written. You have to stick to what is in policy already. If you hire an off-duty police officer, this is how much we pay. And if anything happens during that officer's tenure, while he's doing that off-duty detail, he is charged to affect the arrest and see it through. So nothing new here. Nothing given, no promises made, no special uh, avenues were invented just to get this stuff done. This is typical, normal, how it's done kind of thing so that we avoid any question of impropriety. You know, um, it's so important to be able to handle the fact that if the case is good, then there's a good chance you'll be on trial to make sure you did it right. Not that the bad guy committed the crime. Right. And you just want to make sure that there's nothing that will inhibit uh, the ability to prove that point. You want to make sure that you've got yourself together and that there is nothing to hide. It's all up front. It's transparent. It's right there. And um, no promises were made. We did the best we could with what we had. And... Uh, how it works i mean you, you don't have to answer any questions after that we, none of us had to go to court none of us even had to do a deposition yeah delivery guys gave up they gave up just like they did that night and they actually um during the takedown one of them reached below the seat to get a gun out of the front seat under and um thought wisely not to but they attempted to and when we searched the car we found a gun under the front seat so it could have went bad, it didn't. We were in the right place at the right time. And I'm gonna tell you, probably, ninety-nine percent of it is luck. You can do all the hard work you can do, but if you have bad luck on your side, something always goes wrong. And maybe that percentage is a little high, but if you don't have luck on your side, all the hard work you can do sometimes just doesn't cut it. Yeah. Well, I would always, if I ever put an op plan together, I would always put at the very end, 
And it was just kind of something that I did, not something that you have to do or anything. So I'd put it really small, like right in the bottom of the last page, I'd say. I'd just put like a couple asterisks and say, all of this is subject to change because <laughs> you can plan everything, but it could go south real quick. And yeah. you just have to think on your feet at that point. And, you know, smart, again, smart thinking. You know, these guys are stealing a good amount of stuff committing felony crimes, they could be armed. And sure enough, they were. And the one thing that uh, I try and explain to people that don't really understand why law enforcement do the things that they do, uh, a big one that I that I hear is when they approach somebody in a car, why do they undo the latch on their holster for their gun? Or why are they? why do they even have their hand on their gun? And it's one of those things where like, I'm approaching something where they have all the advantage in the world and they could have a gun sitting right there pointing at me. And I won't know because obviously I can't see through a car or a or tinted window, especially if it's at nighttime. But it's just one of those things where you're not doing it because you're scared. You're doing it so you can be ready and you can you can prepare for that. That's just good planning. So. Yeah, it's good training, too. I mean, if you follow your training. Um, a lot of people would make it home today if they followed their training. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of people that, um, and you hate to be critical of those who went through a situation, but when you look at the totality of the case and watch what they're doing, either they weren't trained correctly or they missed it that day in class. Yeah, they just people, didn't follow their training. Yep. You follow your training. A lot of times you'll go home more than not. Oh, yeah. You're only as good as the training that you do, for sure. That's a hard truth that I believe in. And, I mean, it, it applies to everything, not just, like, pulling out guns and stuff like that, uh, not just drawing down on people. It, your training helped you to understand how that case became a case, you know? At first it was just some some loose evidence. Well, not loose, I won't say that, but – it was a, you know, some evidence, but there was no plan. But because of your training, you were able to formulate a plan. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a big believer in you, you always fall back on your training. You do. And your integrity has to be key. If you're compromising your integrity on any part of it, whether it ends up being successful or not, it'll come out somewhere. And um, you do not want that. Your integrity is all you got. When it comes to, you know, your word down the line, your reputation, you can never compromise your integrity. So I was just grateful that those guys training kind of matched what I was trained and we were all on the same page that day because I sure didn't know, you know, it was kind of like I may be setting myself up for this colossal failure ever, you know, but um, aside from the fact that I was a corporate security manager, they believed in my evidence. They believed in my plan and my suggestions and had some of their own. And together we put a, a good case together. So it was a nice one. It was a nice good. one. It, certainly when the news starts calling and want to know information, you can't tell them, you know, the, everything that was behind it, but there was nothing transparent about it. We had all the information that we needed to affect a, a, a great case and um, our training and following our training 
helped reduce the chances of anybody pulling that gun. They believed in us enough that if they pulled that gun, it was not going to turn out good. And they chose not to do it. Um, to avoid the chasing, if you grab them before they get behind the wheel, there's a pretty good chance they're not driving off. Yeah. So all these things play into those. And it's funny, after it was all over, I had people from other uh, cities that work for the same company calling and want information about that. And how do they stop this? Where do they get those little cameras? That kind of thing. And even a couple guys I work with in the building, why didn't you tell me you were doing this? I didn't know you knew how to do that. That's great. Can I help? You know, I, we got intelligence from one of them during their interview downtown that said that uh, there was another gun and it was thrown in the ditch behind the building. And they mm. had to look for it, see if it was out there. And um, my kind of a peer boss who wasn't a part of it at all. He was like, dude, oh, I want to help, I want to help. Wade that creek and find out if that gun's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Get up. Don't pick it up. So it's, it. yeah. But you know, as much as you'd like to have people involved and and uh, as much as you want them to know what's going on, you can't risk that kind of thing. You don't know what they're gonna do or how they're gonna act. Yeah. And I can't, you know, I, you have to keep it contained. Keep that information contained so that you don't have any variables that you can't control. So I don't work out good. So. Sweet. Well, I think that uh, about wraps it up for this episode. But um, I think we went over a lot of good points, mm-hmm. some training lessons, some uh, some good stuff, and I. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was that was fun. Uh, I actually never heard that story. Uh, this is the first time I've heard it all the way through, so that's pretty cool. I used um, to have a picture of that takedown. It was kind of cool. Um, that came off the building's exterior camera, but it showed police cars encircled, and these guys were trapped between two parked semis and uh, blue lights going everywhere. It was kind of cool. But the one I really wish I still had was the one with the pepper ball gun. Oh, I'm about to say it was so bad they took him to the hospital because he, you know anybody that's even with less than lethal ammunition, you want to have make sure they're checked out. Yeah, and they wouldn't, they couldn't even, they couldn't even transport him in the ambulance. The pepper smell was so bad, the, the gas smell from where they exploded on him. Now he, he wasn't injured. He had no injuries other than just. He couldn't breathe for all the draining from the tear gas. Um, but that's a whole lot better than shooting somebody, you know? Yeah. When I talked to him a couple of weeks later after it wore off, you know, it was like, dude, what's going on, you know? And I just did my usual folksy, let's talk about this. What can we do to help out? Can you get any of that stuff back? I, you know, I'm just you know, glad you're okay. You go, man, I never spelled nothing like that in my life. You know? <laughs> oh man, I would rather get tased ten times before <sighs> getting pepper sprayed. That crap sucks. And for anybody, for anybody listening, if you want to experience getting tased or pepper sprayed, just head on down to your local law enforcement. They would be happy to put you through that. But yeah. It is- awful it is so bad so ride the lightning ride the lightning as they say and <laughs> yeah. i don't you ain't doing neither one to me i'm so old now i'm afraid i'd have bodily functions happen with that kind of encouragement <laughs> so i'm like no yeah. 
you hit me with that lightning. Ain't no telling what's gonna fall off. So oh, I'd rather ride the lightning than be in that smoke and that gas. Oh gosh, it's so bad. <sighs> yeah. So you know, good good evidence, uh, good tools, those wireless cameras. Um, yeah. You know, you think about them being in your house. People don't realize they have a pretty good range, and you can do that versus a full wired. $20,000 setup at a business. I'm not trying to take away from anything in the business. They're certainly a lot more reliable. Um, but in this situation, the wireless cameras really helped. They, they worked. Having, yep. Having the right documentation, the right trail to follow the evidence that um, you know, it all worked out good. It was a good one. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, like I said, I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, this this episode or watching it depending on what platform you're on and uh as we continue we we hope to be able to you know use this platform to highlight other uh detectives or um you know prosecution or defense or whoever you know whoever uh has a story to tell we're gonna we're gonna start having some guests on here and it's gonna be a good time uh, we're going to get a lot of good things from a lot of different people and a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, and it's good to have. I mean, like I said, our whole thing in the beginning is to try to put some information out there to help people understand mm-hmm. what's going on, when it's going on. And um, we both know people. We know some lawyers. We know some, actually, I know some judges even. Um, There's some things that um, we as uh, Americans have voted on uh, for our politicians and our lawmakers to enact laws and they're on the books. And if we follow those the way we're supposed to follow them, sometimes that would lead to some of the, the indigestion with getting the answers you want. There's certain things you can do, certain things you can say. And, and to get those things, um, there are legal hoops that have to be dealt with. And we did it to ourselves, the elected politicians that we had making laws for us. Yep. Uh, our best voice is to go through them. They put the laws in place because of us. We have to abide by them. Sometimes that leaves people in the short end of the stick. But we're here to try to figure that thing out and, and help people with anything that they have, any questions they might have on why things done the certain way they're done. So yeah, I think I think that's about it. I think this is the end right. of episode one. So until uh, so, next time. All right. Take care. Yeah. Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure and tune in next week when we unpack a new one, and I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on, and make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.